This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Hey, Parshas Vayichi, 5781. We're going to be working on a Pasuk toward the end of the Parsha. Mamish, toward the very, very end of this Chazak, Chazak, somebody told me. It's the fifth Chazak, Chazak, Chazak that we've had since COVID started. The fifth time that we finished the Sefer. It started by Yaakov Pagude. Oh, so sad. Tarek Nun, Pasuk Yud Zayin, Kosomruli Yosef. This is what you should tell Yosef. The brothers are quoting Yaakov Avinu. They're claiming that Yaakov Avinu said the following. Go tell Yosef, Ana sana pesha achecha. Please forgive now the sins of your brothers, Vechatasam, and their sins. Kirog Malucha, they've done evil to you. Vyatah, Sonna lepesha avdeel keavicha. Forgive now the sins of the servant of the God of your father. Vayevk Yosef bedabram love. And Yosef Etzadi cried when they said those things about him. When they said those things to him, he cried. He said, "Oh, they! I can't believe this just happened." Targum Yonasan, Yushalmi, and the Medrash Tanhuma and Parshas Tzav say that it was Bilha who was sent by the Shvatim to talk to Yosef Atzadik. Billah was the one who sent this, who was brought over this message. So you wouldn't suspect the Shvatim of having done it. Billah was a tzaddikist of a woman. Billah was obviously Yaakov Avinu's wife that he cared for very greatly, even more than Leah possibly. So that's the person who was sent over to be able to tell over this message to Yosef Atzadik, what Yaakov had said before he had died. Rashi and the Chizkuni say it was the children of Bilhah. They were the Shvatim, but it was the children of Bilhah who were sent to be able to say it because they were friendlier with Yosef. They were the ones who didn't hate Yosef as much. As Naim Latorah says, it could have been all three of them together. But in Donaftali and Billah together to be able to go all together. Either way, says the Sisei it had to be someone in the family. Because there's no way that Yosef Atzadik would believe that Yaakov Yinu told over this story to anyone else. That the Shvatim had sold them, etc. as a slave. There's no way anybody else could have had it. Although the Sforno says it could have been the servants of Yaakov. Either way, Bilha, the children of Bilha, all of them together, the servants of Yaakov Yinu, Somebody was sent to tell over this message to Yosef Atzadik that the Shvatim should be forgiven for what they had done. Yosnai in Torah says they never meant to send messengers and then leave it at that. In the very next Pasuk, the Shvatim themselves go up and bow to Yosef Atzadik and say, forgive us, we're sorry, we didn't realize how bad it was. They asked them to forgive their sin. It's possible that Yaakov did tell them this. And this is not the subject for our shir today. Yaakov Avinu did say, Ubertsonim Akru Shor, they uprooted an ox talking to Shimon Levi. So it's possible that's what it was referring to. Maybe there was another hint he gave, but that's not the subject of our shir. At the end of the day, they're pretending that Yaakov had a message for them. They're saying that Yaakov had a message for them to do, for Yosef Atzadik to forgive them. And they're sending in the hands of somebody to be able to do it. Yeah. Why does it say that they bowed him? I don't understand why they bowed him. That's the next passage. The same way that you bow to a king when you meet, greet him every time they saw Yosef, they had to bow. That was what they had to do at the time, right? Because well, he was the king. Alone, and they know that he's his brother now. Yeah, right? he's the king. Okay. The king is the king. So you don't have much of a choice on that. And Rashi explains the double Lushan here is the Shvatim saying, and it really is a double Lushan. Yes, say it twice, forgive the sins, forgive the sins. He says it's saying, even though your father may have passed away, 
His God still exists. So if you weren't going to punish us because Yaakov Avinu wouldn't want you to punish us, okay, but God still exists. Don't punish us because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is still around. That's the line that Rashi says over here. That's what he's afraid of. The Ateris Tzvi says they thought Yosef at Tzadik had never punished them in their father's lifetime because he was afraid of what Yaakov Avinu would say and out of respect for him. If that was true, then they said over here, don't punish us now out of respect for Hashem, Yaakov's God. And that's why they said the God of your father, he's still around. Forgive us, please, for that. That's the idea behind it. The Chassam Silver says similarly that by not forgiving them, right, that will cause them to be punished in Shemayim. That's going to cause pain to, the fa- to our father again. Something's going to happen. So Yosef, it's like, please don't let that happen. Allow Yaakov to have an easier time in Olam Haba. The Oznayim Latora says the message is similar. It's that even though your brothers acted like strangers, your brothers acted something like, who would do this to someone else? Did something terrible. There are very few people in the world, says Oznayim Latora, that actually worship Hashem, that deal with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If you get rid of them, who else is going to be Elokei Avicha, Avde Elokei Avicha? Who else is going to serve Hashem? So at least, listen, at least do this for Elokei Avicha so that there are more people that can serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the idea of what they were trying to say. That's the Oznayim Torah. The Abarbanel says, look, we all understand. There is no brother who has ever sold another brother into slavery. It's never happened. It's never going to happen. This is a crazy story. And we all get that. The Abarbanel says... Even though you can't forgive them as brothers, brothers cannot do that, would never do that. You can't forgive them for that. Forgive them as spiritual brothers. He calls it achva hanafshis. Forgive them as brothers that believe in the same God. At least they're still spiritualists. At least they're still on the same level as you and what you believe in. They made a huge mistake and brothers should never have done this. But they're brothers of yours. They're still special people. Even if they made that mistake, allow them to be forgiven for that reason. They acted evilly, but God is in charge. That's the idea behind the Pasuk. And that's pretty clear. That's Rashi, the Chassam Sofra, the Barbanel, all going in the same vein, all in that same idea. But some say it was a bit combative. The Rabbeinu Ephraim says, Ki malucha, he has done, we have done evil to you, is really the opposite. You've done evil to us. You spoke lush and hara about us, Yosef. The Shvatim were saying, you know why you should forgive the Shvatim? Again, they're saying it in the name of Yaakov Avinu. You know why you should forgive the Shvatim? Because you spoke lush and hara first. You said something about us to Yaakov Avinu and got us in trouble in the, hand, in the, uh, the eyes of Yaakov Avinu. That was the Diba Samra'ah, the bad Diba, the bad speech that you said over in front of our father Yaakov. And that's what they're reminding him of. Ki gimalucha. It's the raw that we paid you back for. We're paying you back for the raw that you did to us. And therefore, almost like Mida Kenegan Mida, granted we went overboard, we did something which was strange, but nonetheless there was something that you started. It's as if the Shvatim were telling Yosef Atzadik, don't think that you were totally innocent here. Don't think that we didn't have a reason to suspect you to be somebody like Yishmael or Asa. We were worried. We didn't know. And therefore, Ki Ra'a, Ra'a was involved over here, Gimalucha. That's what we did this for. And that's why you should understand what we're doing over here. That's how the Rabbeinu Ephraim, Rishon, seems to say over here, they said, it's an interesting line, he says afterward that Avdei Elokei Avicha, we are the servants of the God of your father. 
is because they kept saying, we are your servants, we are your servants. And it sounded like they were being Kofer and Hashem. We're not the Avadim of Hashem, we're rather your own Avadim. And now they're saying, no, we're really Avdel Kevicha in order to sort of do tshuva. But that's strange. And it seems the Chidah questions the whole thing and says, I don't know why you would have to think that way. Of course you can say, I am your Eved to a king. Why can't you do that? It doesn't sound like you don't believe in God. Just because right now you have to say that you're the servant of a king, it sounds strange to be able to say it. The Maril Diskin, though, says the first idea is right there. Key is because. Key, because Yosef treated us badly first and he started the raw. Therefore, Gemalucha, the Hagionis Hagirshuni says that, Rabbi Victor Miller says that. There's no way that you can think of this as all on the Shvatim because Yosef started it and that's the raw Gemalucha and they're hinting it to him here and saying, remember Yosef, it's not like you were just involved, you were involved in the same way. The Yalkar Hagirshuni says amazingly, the words, Elokei avicha, with a hey, obviously, Aleph, Lamed, hey, Yud, Aleph, Vez, Yud, Chaf. Those letters stand for Elav Hayuma, Kama Yosef, Ika, Veshuka. Perhaps you remember that from the Gemara and Shabbos, Peches, where Rav Yosef got up and said, This day, he was I'm so happy that there's a day of Shavuos. Why? Because if not for this day, he said, Kama Yosef Ika You know how many Yosefs there are in the show? How many Joes, ordinary Joes, there are in the, in the marketplace? I would just be another ordinary Joe. Now that the Torah was given, I'm Rav Yosef. I'm able to be a Rav. I'm able to be a Rosh Hashiva. I'm able to rule other people and men because of my Torah learning. That, Rav Yosef said, that's what made me into a great person. So the idea, says the Alkir Gishuni, is just this. The reason why you're great is because of Elokei Avicha, because HaKadosh Baruch who is involved the whole way. It's not you, because there's Kama Yosef's Beshuka. There's a lot of other Yosef's around in the Shuk. You're great because HaKadosh Baruch who wanted you to be great. And if HaKadosh Baruch who wanted you to be great, there's no question. Part of that process is to forgive us for what happened, because we put you in a place to clearly succeed and to be as successful as possible. The Chidusha Rim says, Be'emes, the Shvatim did not sin. God, unbelievable Chidusha Rim, the first Ger Rebbe. They were the Kalim of Hashem to allow this to happen through them. They didn't sin. They had no idea what they were doing. It was as if there was a puppeteer. And the Shvatim's arms and limbs and their decision making was all based on what needed to happen. Therefore, the fact that it happened this way, it's not anyone's fault. This is what was supposed to be. Yaakov Vinu said, and this is why, Ephraim umenasha kiruvein v'shimon yuli. In other words, Ruvain was the one that tried to save Yosef Atzadik. Shimon is the one that threw him in a pit. Ruvain and Shimon, to me, are equal to Ephraim umenasha, who obviously never did anything bad. It's like they're all the same. The result, though, not so great we're going to see that although they were trying to pin the blame on Yosef or say that at least Yosef had something to do with it, it's clear this is not the idea that they should have been saying. And we'll see that Yosef's response is very clearly saying to them, no, 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 do not try passing the buck over here. You are responsible and take on the responsibility. Yeah, Shlomo. We'll get to that. Believe Nether, we'll get to that. Yes, 100%. How the Chidusha Rim learns up everything that's happening in these parshas. They're truly just, you know, I forgot what they're called. What's the, the puppet called? The marionette? The, 
forgot what it is, but whatever it is that they're just being acted upon and everybody's doing everything for them, clearly they're still responsible. Clearly. How we're going to learn that? We're, we're, let's, let's go on, because the Asaru Gimalchus obviously come from this act. Let's see how that happens. The Sforno says the message they sent from their father, because again, really, we don't see Yaakovinu saying this, was that he himself did not suspect him of doing this at all. Meaning Yaakovinu's message was that, I don't think, Yosef, that you're going to do this. But the Shvatim may have had their doubts, so to assuage their fears, he should tell them he wasn't going to retaliate at all. It's not that, it's almost like the Shvatim are speaking for, for, for Yaakov, and they're saying, Yaakov saying, I don't suspect you, but they might... So tell them that you're not going to retaliate. Not that I really suspect you of doing anything. And that's the idea behind full. And Yosef cried when he heard it, so appreciative that his father believed that he wouldn't take revenge. Believing that that's their father's message, that he wasn't going to do anything. The Bereshis Rabbah, Tanchuma Yashan, and Surah Mor said the opposite. Yosef cried because he thought he was being accused. He thought that Yaakov was saying, I think you're going to do something bad. And Yosef said, well, I would never have done anything bad. The Shvatim were great people. Why would I have done something bad to them? How could I possibly, how could I possibly do something so evil? That's the idea that they all said. The Tzor Amor also says he cries. He cried because he didn't want to reveal to his father what had happened to him. This whole time, 17 years, says the Tzor Amor, he didn't go near his father. Can you believe this? His father's a Mitzrayim. And he found every excuse in the world to stay away from his father because he never wanted his father to say to him, so what happened? How were you sold down in Mitzrayim? And he didn't want to lie, but he didn't want to tell him the truth to get, in order not to give him pain that his brothers had sold him. So he never went near him. He might have been there in the same room as him. He may have sat down next to him, but he made sure to never have the question be asked. For 17 years he stayed away. And now the Shvatim are giving him a message that their father knew about it and said, forgive your brothers. He said, if my father knew, then I didn't have to waste the last 17 years. He cried because he said, if I would have only known, I would have been so close to my father. I stayed away from him because I didn't want him to know. That's it, Soromor. First of all, by the way, that, that act... Of, of keeping himself away. Can you imagine that? Not seeing your father, who you loved so much for 22 years, finally being able to get close to him again and not allowing yourself to get close to him because you don't want him to suspect anything. You don't want him to suspect your brothers. I, I can't even imagine what Yosef Atzadik was going through. And the, self, the ability to pull himself back and not say anything or do anything... I can't even imagine. I absolutely can't imagine. The tour says that as well. The tour says that he mamish kept himself away so those questions cannot be asked. Now, we're getting to a different part now. The Arugas Abosem says Yaakovin was special in what he said about Ruvain. Remember what he said about Ruvain? Kochi voracious oni. Chazal Darshan, I'm going to be as clean as possible on this, that Ruvain was my first power, the first time that it was able to have a child. First time. Yaakov Avinu, when he gave birth to Ruvain, was 84 years old. For 84 years, remember, he didn't get married till he was 77. Seven years of work, right? He didn't get married. He didn't start go to love until he was 77. Seven years of work, he was 84. And the first time he had the ability to have a child, and he never sinned before that, was at the age of 84. Kochi Bereshisoni. This is what the Arugas Bosom says. He was never pogame zera once. Never pogame zera once even at the age of 84. And we know Eile told us Yaakov, Yosef. 
The toldos of Yaakov are Yosef Atzadik. That Yosef Atzadik truly represented his father in every other way, which means Yosef Atzadik should have also had that power to not have any issue of pigimas zera throughout his whole life. It should have been perfect and there shouldn't have been any problems whatsoever. But then Ashes Potiphar came and we all know the Medrash that through his fingers he lost Zera. The ten children that he should have had were all gone through that. Which meant that now Yaakov was truly going to die. His legacy would never live on because the person to be able to continue that legacy of Pegimas or non-Pegimas Zera Habris to be able to have the perfect yesod of the world, is now gone. Yosef Atzadik was no longer going to be that person. Now, Yaakov Yenu didn't have a Yosef, a Tolada, that was going to be like him. That's what the Shvatim realized now. That's why they asked him for his forgiveness. Once Yaakov was dead, and they saw Misa, that he didn't live on, did not live on through Yosef, they realized what they had done. Ki ra'a We did evil to you, Yosef. We caused ra'a to come through you. If you remember, Er and Onan, what they did with Tamar was considered ra. That's the ra'a gemalucha. That's what we did and we're sorry we didn't realize. Yosef cried when he heard this. When, they had, when he heard them asking for forgiveness. Tears are metaking. They're one of the ways to be metaking this terrible sin. So he cried that that tikkun had to happen. However, in the end, he told them there was a reason even for this. And it caused him to be an even higher level of tshuva that allowed him to perfect the midah of yesod. As we all know that yesod is that sixth midah, right, that Yosef Atzadik represents, as we see from, in our very small ways, from the Ushpizen, he's mentioned the sixth time, unless you're totally litvak, right, the sixth one. Somehow he was able to be metaking everything, and he said, through that, I was able to do tshuva and become even better. No worries, it's not your fault, this is what needed to be. Shlomo, yeah. No, I, I, you know, obviously, if we're going with this board, it means that they knew something happened, but they didn't know what. So they said, we clearly know something happened. They didn't have any idea, but there was a pegimas bris because there's a misad Yaakov. He clearly had something happen, but no, they did not know what. Yes, I, I know. I, you can definitely learn it that way. That obviously it's not him. What did he? What did they do? They just sold him down. Because I'll say there's still somewhat of a blame. For example, when David Amelech caused Nov Irakwanim to be destroyed, did David Amelech destroy Nov Irakwanim? No, that was Shol Amelech, and even then it was Doe Goadomi who had spoken Lashar and then killed the people of Nob. And yet, in Sadi Hayomad Aleph in Sanhedrin, Dovin is blamed for being part of the reason why Novira Kwanim was destroyed. A strange, convoluted way of looking at it, because what blame could you possibly give Dovin Amelech, Dovin himself? Nonetheless, there is somewhat of a blame when you're involved in causing something bad to happen. I'm assuming that's what the Shvatim mean, what the Arug Zabosa means over here. But there is a problem with the wording. Do you notice the wording over here? If you look at the Pusik, the Pusik starts off and it says, Kosomuliosev. Forgive the sins of your brothers and their sins. Why is one called a pesha, which is a more rebellious type of sin, and another one called a chet, an accidental sin? And it says achecha in between it. 
It should be Pesha the Chatos Achacha, right? And then he says again, It only mentions Pesha. What happened to the Chait? Why is it mentioned Pesha? What are the two parts to the sin? What are the Shvatim asking for? And why do they repeat it twice? It's a great question. It's answered by over 12 achronim that I saw. I did not see a Rishon that answers it, although Rashi sort of gets a hold of it. But the Kliyakr says that the reason for this is the following. He says there's no reason to add on the words Kiragamalucha either. Kiragamalucha, because we did evil to you. Obviously, we know what you did. There was no Shaila. Nobody forgot what the Shvatim did. He said, the obvious question of what is what kind of a sin was this? Is this considered, when they sold Yosef, is that a pesha or is it a chet? He answers, there are two sins involved over here. And we're going to see this, this concept repeated in different ways by different achronim. Two sins involved. Number one was the following, it's a pesha. They wanted to kill him themselves. And he was not chayiv misa. Even if he really spoke Lashon Hara about them, there is no Chiyuv Misa for what he did. We're not going with the Rush who says that it was a Navi Sheker. There was no Chiyuv Misa in him trying to go to Yaakov and speak Lashon Hara. And yet somehow, somehow, somehow that Lashon Hara, right, allowed him to be killed. The Shvatim did a Pesha. They made the wrong din. They paskined incorrectly and badly by trying to kill him for that reason. The next part is, the chatas was that they sold him as a slave. They had an excuse to do so, because he spoke Lashon Hara, that they were calling the Bnei Shvachos slaves. So they said, you're saying that we are calling them slaves? You'll be sold into slavery. That's why the two are separated. Because there's Pesh Achacha, the, the idea behind what we did, we paskin that you would be killed. Even though we didn't kill you, that was our pesha that we need mechila and rachamim for. The chatas they knew was not as bad, at least in their minds, that we sold you in order to give you the mida kineged mida you deserve for saying that we said that right over there. That may explain why they first asked forgiveness for the bigger sin and then the smaller sin. Because in theory, you really should be asking for the smaller sin and then the bigger one. But the bigger one was the one that they felt they really needed to ask for. But the sale, they thought that the sale was, was still correct. And they never really went back on it. Hold on a second. That's all the Kliyakr. Then it's even the Malbim say a little bit differently. The Pesha was the cruelty that they did to their brother. That they were willing to do such a thing. How in the world is anybody that cruel? How can you sell anyone, let alone your brother? Who would do such a thing? That was unheard of. The hate was that they had suspicions of him. They thought that he wanted to be their king. They thought that he wanted to rule over them. They said, how could that be? There was a Pesha involved. There was a hate involved. The Pesha of their sale, the hate of what they thought. Both of those are involved over here. They assumed everything. The Tambadas has a similar answer with Sturmbach as well, based on that. In the end, they realized that the Pesha was purely Mina Shemayim. How in the world did we have such a hatred? Who in the world has that? They knew it had to be from Shemayim, and therefore they said, there's no way we could have been this cruel unless we were Avdei Elokei Avicha, unless we were the servants of God, who God wanted us to be involved over here. Now the Ksav Sofer Right, seems to say that Yaakov asked them to for, get forgiven years earlier, and they didn't do so. Years earlier, Yaakov knew something happened. And he told the Shvatim, go get forgiveness, and they said no. For whatever reason, they said no. Only after he died did they become afraid and asked him for Mechila for Yurasa Onish. He goes on. I'm not going to go on to the, 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 the Ksav Sofer. 
but it's a beautiful pshat. The Sarmi Bell says the same thing as well, and there's a chidah. And although I'm not going to do them inside, there's an amazing thing from both of them about what it means to somehow use this, this opportunity that you have to help your brother and take him and sell him down the side what a pesha really is versus the hate of what they were thinking. And he goes on, he explains exactly what they were thinking over there. Rabbi Yehuda Saad, I think, is a good sikum to all of this. He says, there were two things the Shvatim felt terrible about. Number one, they knew that Yosef had spoken Lashonar about them, but they took it to a higher level by trying to kill him and then finally selling him. That's terrible. That's absolutely terrible. But second, they felt terrible now that they had thought that they saw how great Yosef really was. When Yosef Atzadik revealed himself, being in Mitzrayim all these years, and being around all of that Tumah, and not being affected by it, they said, holy cow, this guy is much greater than we ever thought he was. I can't believe he was this great. How could we have ever imagined that somebody would be this great? And we didn't know. We didn't see him, that Yosef was able to mask himself, literally and figuratively from the Shvatim, make himself look like an ordinary human being, when he's the greatest of all of us combined. How could we have missed that? That was their hate. The Pesha is what we did. The hate is what we missed out on. How did we not catch this? And then they added, Avde Avicha. Says Rabbi Yudasad, and I know the others have said this as well. Kira But Yosef, remember that you were involved as well. Remember that you started this off. We know we did something bad to you, but buddy, you're also involved. And Akarish Baruch who is involved, we're Avde Avicha. We're servants of God. God made us do it. So Yosef, forgive us because it's not there. Now, guys, I am not an expert in marriage. I, far from it. Far from it. Have a good marriage, thank God, because I have a great wife. But I'm not an expert in marriage. Here's how you don't apologize. Honey, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I feel so terrible. But remember that really bad dinner you made last night? <laughs> That's the reason I had a stomach ache today, and that's the reason why I was so upset when I came home. What? You don't do that. If you're going to apologize, you apologize. I'm sorry, period. It's not, I'm sorry that you feel this way. That's not an apology. That's not an apology. That never becomes an apology. That's just deferring the blame and allowing the other person to think that, oh, meaning it's my fault? That's all you're doing. Never do that. That's not the way to apologize. That's what the Shvatim essentially did. According to Rabbi the Shvatim said, look, this is terrible. We can't believe we sold you. That's crazy. And we can't believe we thought such bad things about you. You truly are great. Man, it's a good thing that you also did something to make us feel not so bad, huh? I really appreciate it. You know, like without that Lashon Hara, you know, we'd feel really bad right now. Now, even? Can we call it Even? They sold Yosef as a slave. They threw him in a pit to kill him. They might have even known there were snakes and scorpions there. They sick dogs on him to try to kill him. Who does that? See, Yosef at Sadiq, when Rabbi Yudasad looked back and said, Hasacha selokimani, to punish you for what you did? You think I'm God? I'm not God. What he's hinting to, what he's trying to say is don't minimize the sin. Don't blame it on me or chas v'sholem on God. It was God. We didn't do it. We were just little puppets. Don't blame it on somebody else. That's not what you do. You want to apologize? You deserve to apologize. Apologize to me and I hear it. But you want to apologize by blaming it on me? I, well, you made me sell you. 
You made me sell you as a slave? Is that what you're saying? Get out of here. Get out of here. Yosef Atzadik said to them, I understand. I understand what you're trying to say, but you cannot do such a thing. And that's what he said to them. You thought bad, Hashem thought good, but you thought bad. You thought you were doing something bad and you knew exactly what you were doing. Don't blend this one on God. It's what we go through every single day, you know, where we sit there and we're like, well, Kaddish Baruch Hu wouldn't have put me in this position if he wanted me to do mitzvahs. Kaddish Baruch Hu wouldn't have allowed me to have this available. It's clear that a Kaddish Baruch Hu wanted me to do this, that, and the other. No, no, that is not what happened. You put yourself in that position. You allowed yourself to do what you just did. And you're the reason why it's happening. Not HaKadosh Baruch. Don't blame him for your own problems and assume that it's because of him. That's what he's trying to say. And Yosef Tzadik answered them beautifully when they took the blame and deferred it. He said, take it, take it. And then I can forgive you. Then I'm, I'm actually willing to forgive you. I, I think that's an unbelievable shot. The Shach Alatorah says almost the exact same thing. Almost the exact same thing. And I think that answers up that idea that I said before. Like, yes, they were deferring, the, but they were trying to. That's not what you do. You never apologize that way. The Nitzutze Shimshin says, I don't know if anybody's heard this before. This is an unbelievable word. He says there are four chayos that are represented in the Kisya Kavod. The four sides of the Kisya Kavod represent the four kings of the different kingdoms of the world. For example, the chayos of the wild animals, there's an aryeh. For the birds, there's a nesher, an eagle, I guess. For the domestic animals, there's the shore, the bull. And for everything is Adam And all four on different sides. And yes, they're represented Michal, Gabriel, Rafal, Uriel, etc. But they're all on the Kisya Kavod. Now, if we look at the letters, guys, aryeh, shore, right? Aryeh, shore, nesher, Adam. Says in the Shimshon, they were saying, Sa na. Sa na. Forgive us, please. Sa na is Shor Aryeh Nesher Adam. If you forgive us, Shor, they're looking at Yosef Atzadik. Yosef Atzadik's symbol is an ox, is a bull. Says, you want to be on the Kisya Kavod? Sa na. They looked at him and said, Anna, if you don't, if you don't forgive us, Anna, it's only maybe Aryeh Nesher Adam. And the shore will be missing. We want it to be sana, make it shore arye nesher adam, and then the merkava, the maestro merkava will be bishlemus. And that's what they were asking him. So a hint deep down of what was happening, and that's why, you know what Yosef Atzadik said back, what were the words? Hasachas elokimani? You think I am under God, the merkava of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? You think I'm one of those? That's not why I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to forgive you for other reasons. The Chsam Sofer says, when Yosef spoke to, Yaakov spoke to Yosef, he told him, Kel Shakai Nira Eli, HaKadosh Baruch Hu spoke to me in this place, Kel Shakai Nira Eli, is the Rashi Tevis of Sana. He says that's why the Shvatim knew Yaakov asked for them to be forgiven. See, Yaakov did say so. Yaakov said that they should be forgiven. And that was through the dream that he was shown in the dream on the Merkava. That's where the Shvatim got it from. Now, Seda Lederach, as we said before, says they were asking to be forgiven. But there's something more to this. And the reason why it's repeated, again, where they say, Ana sona fesha achecha, and then Ata sona lefesha abde avicha, it's because they knew this was not the end. They knew, the Shvatim knew, and they saw in the future, that because they weren't going to be fully forgiven, there were going to be the Asara Haruge Malchus. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Hanani ben Tradion, Rabbi Hanina ben Tradion, 
right? We have, uh, uh, who else do we have over there, guys? Rabbi Yesheva Vasofer, Chutzpis and Matorgamon, the great tzaddikim, Rabbi, Shimon, uh, Rabbi Shmuel Kohen Gadol, Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel the Nasi, the great, great tzaddikim that passed away at that time, were all because of what happened over here with Yosef Tzaddik and the brothers. Says that Tzedel Adarach, they first asked to be forgiven for themselves so they wouldn't suffer for it in Shemayim. And second, they asked for him to forgive the sins of the Asaruge Malchus who were going to suffer and die for these sins later on. Now we know children don't get punished for the Avos. But when you have people of the likeness and greatness of the Asaruge Malchus, apparently that has happened at that time. When Yosef Atzadik heard of those ten great men dying, he began to cry. He told the brothers, Altiro, for you, you have nothing to worry about. You'll be forgiven. But for them, the Asaruge Malchus, Asachas Elokimani, you think I can stop what's happening in the future? You think I have the power to be able to stop what a Kaddish Baruch Hu feels he has to do with the Asaru Gemalchus? I have no ability to do it. If that punishment is connected me, then I forgive it. But nonetheless, it seems that there's something else that needs to happen, and I'm not able to forgive that at all. The fact that the Asaru Gemalchus happened because of Yosef is brought by the Medrash Mishle, Aleph Yud Gimel, in the name of Rabbi Yeshua and Levi. But why wouldn't Yosef forgive them? Rav says, of course he forgave them. Of course he forgave them. It took a while. I don't think it happened overnight. It's not like all of a sudden he said, I forgive you completely. But Yosef Tzadik was an unbelievable Tzadik. The Shvatim also did a terrible Chilol Hashem that could not be forgiven in this world. We know, guys, it's a Gemara and Yuma at the very end. You could be forgiven for sins you've done in this world. You cannot be forgiven for a Chilol Hashem in this world. A person needs to die for a Chil Hashem to be forgiven. HaKadosh Baruch will have to decide how that's going to happen, and apparently that was going to be years in the future from the Asaru Gimalchus. Says Rav Schwab, the mysterious nefesh that those Gedolim did was when they died by the hands of the Romans. The Reikanti says that the souls of the Asaru Gimalchus were included with the souls of the Shvatim. Somehow these souls of the Shvatim came in through something called Soda Iber and joined the Asaru Gimalchus as they died so they could go through the punishment they deserve for what they did for Yosef Atzadik, if one can say such a thing. Rav Schwab says, this is the kapara that needed to happen. And that was because of the Chil Hashem in the matter, not because of what they did that was forgiven. Yosef forgave them. But a Chil Hashem cannot be forgiven so easily. That's what had to happen there. The Rabbeinu Bachaya says famously that although the Shvatim asked him to forgive him, the Pasuk never says that he forgave them straight out. He never said Macholach. And I know it sounds like a joke, Somebody calls you up on Erev Yom Kippur and asks you for forgiveness for something that, you did to, that they did to you. And he said, they're like, of course, I'm mochul you. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. Maybe on Erev Yom Kippur it's a joke and they shouldn't be calling you then. They should call when they actually mean it, unless they really do mean it. But to say, I'm forgive you, it's, it's not just you can say, like, I forgive you and then forget about it. You should think about it. Consider it. Consider it. Do you really forgive them? Do you really forgive them? And if not, think about why. And tell it to that person. What did you do to me? I'll tell you what you did to me, and this is why it's so hard for me. And I'm, I, take time and say, maybe it's not going to be today, maybe it's not going to be tomorrow. Baba Kamatsadi Bezmanal says, anyone who sins against their friend and does tshuva is not forgiven until you receive that mechila straight out. It's also brought in Yuma on the end. Although Vayenachem Yosef says to Rabbi Bechaya, Vayedaber Olibam, he consoled them. He spoke to their hearts. It sounds like he forgave them. It never says Mechila. It never says Slicha. Nowhere, nowhere in the Pasuk. That means they died without it. And that's why it had to come back until the times of Asaru Gemalchus. That is so sad. 
He says, that's the hint. Because there's another sin that was never forgiven. And that's scary. That's unbelievably scary. Now, the Shalos Jews, Divri Yatsiv, in Orachayim Rishon and Ches, asked why they had to ask more than three times. Did they have to ask three times? We usually do that. It's three times, then you put it on the other person. There are answers for that question. The Divri Yatsiv himself gives something. Even Rechaim Knievsky himself was asked why Yosef wasn't mochel them. And he said, come on, it's not easy. It's not easy. Ramosha Feinstein once had two men in his house. They were discussing a monetary matter after he was finished. And he passed them like one of them the other. He said, now I want you to say that you're, that you're mochel the other guy. And one guy said, I'm mochel you. And then he said to the other guy, I want you to be mochel him. And the guy said, it's fine. So Ramosha said, no, no, no. say, I'm mochel you. He turned to Ramosha and said, it's fine. It's not a problem. What's the issue? Moshe said, you have to say out loud your mochel. If you don't say it, then it doesn't work. And he said it from this pasuk over here. You have to say, I am mochel. I, the guy said, I'm mochel you. The all Arya says the stipler once called someone into his house. He said he had to speak to him as soon as possible. And the man walked into the stipler's house. The stipler asked him if he remembers someone cleaning the letterman shul. The letterman shul is right by the stipler of Rechaim Knievsky's house nowadays. And he was sitting there learning, and he yelled at him for getting in his way while he was cleaning. That man, the man said, the man who came to the stipler said, yeah, I remember that guy. So the stipler said, I need you to forgive him the pem mole. I need you to say out loud that you forgive him. The guy said, of course, I forgive him, the, I forgive him completely. I'm him completely. And the stipler told him, that man came to me in a dream and told me that they're not allowing him into Gan Eden until this man received mechila, beferush, from the person there. It's scary. It's scary to think that that's mamish what happened. This stipler doesn't lie about that type of thing. Stipler is not going to joke around about that type of thing. And this man is the one that told over the story. It's a scary story. A scary story. They won't let him into Shemayim. So first of all, it also tells you the absolute greatness of that guy, that that was the sin they weren't letting him into Shemayim for. That's unbelievable. But that's a scary thing. You need to hear Mechila or do as much as you can. Again, it doesn't mean you have to put yourself out there a thousand times, but you have to ask for forgiveness. Three times, three times when you really mean it, and to really mean it, that has to be done. And a man once came to Ravalya Lopian to ask him for Mechila. Ravalya asked him, what did he do? So once he heard what it was, he said, I want you to come back in two weeks. Now, Ravalya Lopian was a person who was in control of every part of his body. Ravalya Lopian was known that he could look at something and not see it. You ever heard of that before? He could look at something and not see what the object was. He was able to see without seeing. When a Talmud asked him if he could work on that, he asked him how old he was. He said, I'm 18 years old. He said, you're way too late. Way too late. It's too late to work on your eyes to be able to do such a thing. You had to work much earlier in order to get there. Bahulopian said, come back in two weeks. He couldn't forgive the guy. Was it that bad? What can you possibly say about Bahulopian that was that bad? Two weeks later, Rav Lopian immediately forgave him. He said, no worries, I forgive you completely. He told him, so then he told him the following. He said, I could have forgiven you immediately. I could have said right then that I forgive you. But I was worried, said Revelio, master of himself. I was worried that deep down I didn't really mean it. So I considered the matter. I brought it up in my mind for two weeks straight. And then I was positive that I forgave you completely. And that's when he said it out loud. That is absolutely an unreal story about a master of Musr who needed two weeks to check himself to see if he forgave the guy. 
It's unbelievable. So when asking mechila from other people, it means to actually mean it, not just a couple hours, you're not just go around, but to really do it, to get involved. Now, as a timeout, I, I wanted to end with that, but I really wanted to tell you over this idea over well. The Rabbeinu Bechaya himself says something very strange in Parshas Miketz Mendali Yudzayin. When somebody asks the question and says, how could it be that Saru Gemalchus died because of something that happened years earlier? It's possible it never happened. In Parshas Miketz Mendali Yudzayin, he says the Saru Gemalchus never really died. Anybody hear that? They never really died. They felt the pain of death, and then they were switched into the bodies of other people. The Noam Elimelech brings this in Parshas Chukas, where he says, as well. Chas v'chalila, these sedikim would have something like this happen. And the Romans thought they killed them, but it never really happened. Tamim in Hagen brings it on page 162 and page 163. There's a few more Mari Makomos here. Perkei Achalos, Rev Aaron Karliner has something. The Amud Avoda Midrash and Binas Moshe, and see Rev Chavel's parish, the Rebbeinu Bachai there in Parshas Miketz. But it's not so simple. We obviously treat it as if the Asarogi Malchus died, but there's something much, much deeper going on behind the scenes here. I'm not privy to it yet. So maybe in another 40 years, maybe in another 40 years we'll get it. Have a good job, everybody.